Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the sixth chapter in Nazar, page 37a, the fifth line from the top. How do we know the high missions? Rabdimi said, he's asked, he says, how do we know that Mishras means that anything that's soaked in the wine? So the bread, for example, you soak the wine in bread, now the bread also adds up to the minimum uh, requirement of a, of a Kazayas. Maybe it comes to teach us that a flavor is the equivalent of a substance. The reason why the Mishras is prohibited, the soaking and the, the bread that's soaked in wine, dipped in wine. Now the bread becomes, it's t- coming to teach us, the bread becomes prohibited because as long as you have a taste, even if there's no substance, all you have is a taste, it's considered like substance. So since you have the taste of the wine and the bread, it's considered as, as, if it, as if you have the substance of the wine. For example, if you cook vegetables with non-kosher meat, and you remove the non-kosher meat, you just have the vegetables, and you eat the vegetables. Did you eat non-kosher meat? Do you get lashes? He says, yes, because since it has the taste of non-kosher meat, I'm saying the vegetables. Could you eat the vegetables? No. And if you eat the vegetables, as if you ate the non-kosher meat, because the vegetables have a taste of the meat. The rabbis forbid it, so don't worry about it. It just... We don't understand. We don't get this. May Karakashman Abdim, he repeated this statement that Mishras comes to add, to teach us that you... Combine the permitted substance with the prohib- when you mix the permitted substance with the prohibited substance, you combine the permitted substance now also becomes prohibited and it adds up to the minimum shear. So that Abai and Abdimi made that statement, Abaya questioned it. He says, How could you say that it's only true? How could you say it's only true? How could you say it's only true in the case? Of another, every case, it should be true in every case. We find that the same is true also by Truma and other prohibitions, not just in the limited case of, a, of another, the limited case of, a, of a, um, the limited case of Hametz, or burning the uh, leavened bread on the Mizbeach. It applies, we find it throughout the Torah. That's how he starts out questioning of Dimi. Now he turns around, he says, no. It's the exact opposite. It's not even true. Even in the case of, of Nazir. It has nothing to do with this. There's no such concept anywhere in the time. First he says that the concept of combining the permitted substance of the prohibited substance and all becomes like one is a concept that we find throughout the Torah. Next thing he turns around, he says the exact opposite. This concept doesn't exist anywhere in the Torah. The reason why the Torah says Chomishras, any soaking, when you soak the bread and the wine, it becomes prohibited, not because you combine the permitted substance, because I have the taste of the prohibited substance, and the taste is considered like substance. She's going from one extreme to the other. Let's look inside. We don't get it. First, he's questioning of Dimi, he's restricting and limiting this concept of you combine the permitted with the prohibited. And he asked all these questions that we find this concept throughout the title. And then he turns around and he says, No, we don't even find this concept by Nazar. 180 degrees, the exact opposite. 
So Gemara answers, Basar the Shonile, after he answered and he explained that it's not a contradiction to his own statement, that it's only limited to, it's only limited to the case, the cases that he said, then he turns around, he says, maybe it's not even true in the case of a Nazar. After he answered all these answers, then he goes the reverse. Maybe, maybe there, even in Nazir, that's not the case that you combine. You don't find this concept anywhere in the Torah. And the reason why the Torah says Chomishras is prohibited is because Tamkik. In other words, it, it was very difficult. A bias difficulty is it's very difficult for him to understand that it's only in a limited case. If there's a, such a principle in the Torah that you combine the permitted with the prohibited, it should be throughout the Torah. Why, why only another? Right. See, he brought proofs. You see, we find the concept throughout the Torah. And Abdimi responded, no, we don't. And he explained all those other cases because it's only rabbinic, etc. But, but again, bias insisting on his premise. I still don't, can't accept that there's only a limited, the Torah only applies this concept only in this limited case. Maybe we don't find this concept anywhere. It doesn't apply anywhere. The reason here has nothing to do with combining uh, permitted mixer. The reason why the mix is permitted is because the taste, and the taste is considered like the substance itself. Like we learn, maybe Mishra comes to teach us. Like we learn in the Brais, Mishra is listen Tamkik. It says clearly in the Brais that Mishra comes to teach that infused is like is considered like the substance itself. Shimshor and Novim b'Mai. Another soak grapes in water. Yes, from Tamia, and you remove the grapes, but you have the flavor of the grapes in the water, the the flavor of the wine. In the water, when you drink the water, you're liable for lashes. Grape-flavored wine, uh, water, grape-flavored water, you get lashes. From here you learn all these sort of, again, it's not limited to Nazir. In general, if you have a concept in the Torah, it should be true throughout the Torah. Why are we only limited to The Torah is teaching us a principle. That Tam Ki'ikah. If Nazir, which is only a limited, a limited prohibition, it's a time bound, 30 days, or whatever limit you give it. And again, there's no prohibition. The Nazir is allowed to benefit from wine. He's allowed to sell wine. He can't drink wine. He's allowed to benefit from it. He can sell, he can buy. He can do merchandise with it. And he could be released. <laughs> Why not? Oh, bathe, well, bathing is like drinking. Right. That's a question. If bathing is like drinking. Yes, hetali suri. On Yom Kippur, right. Sikha is like drinking. Yes, hetali suri. And you are allowed to, uh, you can release it, right? It's like a vow. It's like another vow. You can go to the Chacham, you can release the vow. Nevertheless, despite all these leniencies, also by Tamkika, the Tater treats the taste like the substance itself. So other prohibitions, like Kaloyakerim, if you mix the vineyard together, the grape seed together with the seeds, other seeds, which is a permanent prohibition. There's no time limitation. 
not a lot to even benefit from it. You have to burn it. There's no way to release the prohibition. That if you have a taste of this kalayim, of this mixture, even if you remove the mixture, the taste should be treated like the substance itself. And I can make a kavachaymer in the case of Arla, because I have two arguments. I don't have all three arguments. Because Arla is also prohibited. Right? Prohibited if, if you're not allowed to benefit from Arla. Yeah, but Arla is permanent. Arla is, is permanent. The first three years, those fruits are forever. And so are the products of the vineyard that are mixed together. But nevertheless, um, yes, I can't release it, but it is a time limit. Arla is only the first three years. So in a certain sense, there is a time limit. So it's a, but two out of the three, those fruits are prohibited from benefiting. And there's no way to release it. Those fruits are, are, are prohibited. There's, there's nothing I can do to change it. So it's more stringent than it is in two aspects. It's not forever. It's only the first three years. But the other two remain. So surely there we should say Tamkik. Uh, so the mother answers. The Rabbi Akiva says that the bread is prohibited. He says because it's mitzadif. You added the two together. The bread combines with the wine. The rabbis disagree. So the it's Rabbi Vua. Rabbi Yechon is explaining the reason of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva explains that Mishras comes to teach us that the per, 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 uh, permitted substance, the bread, combines with the prohibited substance, the wine. And if you eat a kazayas of that bread, you get you get uh, you get lashes. That's the reasoning of Rabbi Kiva. And he says it's only in these cases. But the, the, the rabbis, the Braisa follows the rabbis who disagree with Rabbi Kiva. And they say, no, we don't say that the permitted substance combines with the prohibited substance. We only look, but we do say that the taste, when the taste is Mishras, the soaking, the taste is coming to teach us that the taste is treated like a substance. What's the practical difference between the two? In the conversation, we'll see if it becomes clarified. What's the practical difference whether you say... The reason is tamkik, or whether you say because you're combining the permitted with the prohibited substance. Either way, the, you soak the bread, it's prohibited. <laughs> what, what's the practical So let's see how the Gemara develops this. Hey, Rabbi Kiva, which Rabbi Kiva are you referring to? If you're saying Rabbi Vu and Rabbi Yechna is talking about Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Dimi was talking about Rabbi Kiva, our Mishnah. Rabbi Kiva says, I feel a shot of Peter Biyayin, even if you soak the bread and wine, yes, it's out of Kazayas. And between the combination of the wine and the bread, you have a Kazayas, Chayiv, you're liable, and you get lashes. I mean, my, what's the proof from our Mishnah? How do you learn from this? Rabbi Kiva holds that you Mitzadif Tehetel is, or you combine the permitted substance with the permitted substance. Dil, Modiki Kazayas, maybe this ruling is only when there's an actual Kazayas of wine absorbing the bread. Maybe he means, Rabbi Kiva means, that you have to actually eat a kazayas of the wine. So even though the wine is distributed in the bread, it's not like one, one gulp of a kazayas of wine. It, it's distributed throughout the bread. But if I eat the whole loaf, which contains the kazayas, then I, then I end up eating a kazayas of the wine. That's all Rabbi Kiva is saying. 
So what's Rabbi Kiva coming to teach me? Obviously, well, if you eat a kezayis, why? What do I care how it is? If it's in a cup or it's in a bread, what difference does it make? Surely I'm liable. What's Rabbi Kiva coming to teach me? He's coming to exclude the opinion of the Tanakama who said, he has to drink a quarter lug of wine. So Rabbi Kiva says that it's not that he's arguing. He's only arguing on point one. He, the Tanakam, is making a distinction between grapes. Grapes, this is the minimum shit as a kezayis. Like anything else you eat. Wine, which is liquid. Like any other liquid, it's an avias, which is an egg and a half. I'm sorry, an avias, which is, a, which is a, yeah, an egg and a half. A kezayis is like a half an egg. There's a difference between solid and liquid. Comes along, Rabbi Kiva says, no, by Nazir we treat wine just like we treat the salad. Only if you eat a kezayis. The amount it would displace, if you took a cup and you, you put an olive inside and the water, the thing that's displaced, that, which is like a third, a third of the amount of revias. That's what they're arguing. He's not coming to argue. The Chiddush is not, he's not coming to teach me that if you eat bread that has wine, you get lashes. Of course. He's coming to teach us that it's a kezayis. Yeah, but still, then why should why wouldn't he say it explicitly? If you drink a kezayis, why does he have to say it's the case with the with the bread? His entire point. Why would he use such a far fetched case? Don't let him say clearly. Speak clearly. You say that if you drink, you have to drink a revias, which like an egg and a half. I say if you drink a kezayis. Why does he have to bring a case of bread? He's not teaching us anything. The bread doesn't add anything. It doesn't mean it. So actually, this is, this is the question the Gemara asks himself. And he says that even though, the Gemara answer is kind of the teacher, that even though it's absorbed by a different substance, the wine is absorbed by bread. But nevertheless, by eating this loaf of bread, which contains this kezayis of wine, you're liable. Fine. That's why he uses this example to teach us something else, but, but not to teach that the, the, the permitted, not if he's not coming to teach us that really there's less wine here than a kezayis. But because it's mixed together, now I include in the kezayis the permitted bread, the permitted substance now also becomes, I can add it up to the kezayis. How do I know Rabbi Kiva holds it? There's no proof from our mission. Ella rather Rabbi Kiva de Brais. He's referring to Rabbi Kiva Brais. We learn clearly, explicitly in the Brais Tanya. We learn Rabbi Kiva Emer Nazir Sheshada Pite Beyayin, a Nazir that soaked his bread and wine. Vachel Kezayis in passing. He didn't need a full Kezayis of the wine. He, he ate a Kezayis of the bread that had some wine in it. The mixture. Chaye reliable. Okay, but what's the proof? Maybe it's because tamkik, maybe because it has a taste of wine. So the practical difference would be between whether you, Mishras, whether you say because the soak, the taste, is considered like the principle, or whether you combine. What if you eat a piece of bread that's not soaked? It's one piece of bread, but half of the piece is soaked. The other half is not soaked. And I eat the half, that's not, I eat the full bread, but the half that's not soaked doesn't have a taste of wine. In other words, one half has a taste of wine, the other half does not have a taste of wine. And the kezayis is only if I include the whole slice of bread together. The whole slice is a kezayis. It's one slice. Half of it tastes like wine, and the other half doesn't have the taste of wine. 
If I'm going to say the reason is because the taste is considered like the substance, I don't have a kazayas. Because the other half, half of the kazayas, half of the slice doesn't taste like one. It has no taste of one. But if I'm going to say that you combine the two, since you soaked in the wine, you combine the two, it becomes like one entity. So even the permitted now becomes prohibited. So then I can include the other half of the slice that doesn't have the taste of wine. It becomes, it becomes part, part of the prohibition. So that's the proof from the Braises. Since the Braises says this is the opinion of Rabbi Kiva, if the reason is because the taste, the flavor is considered like the substance, why is this only the opinion of Rabbi Kiva? Everyone agrees with that. No one argues. The Torah says if you, if you dip bread into, if you dip the wine into bread, anything you dip it into becomes prohibited. So the flavor is considered like the principle. It's not the argument in Rabbi Kiva and the rabbi. So since he says this is the opinion of Rabbi Kiva, we must be talking about a case where it does not have the taste of the wine. It's just the combination. Since it's one piece of bread, and some of the bread has... So the question is of a combination, and that's why it's only the opinion of Rabbi Kiva. And now since the Braises spells it out so explicitly, so now we understand the mission also the same thing. Rabbi Kiva is arguing on two aspects. First, he's arguing with Tanakhama that says that even drinking wine, drinking wine, you have to have a revias. The minimum shir is a revias, not a kazayah. Just three times the amount of kazayah. Akiva argues on that. He says, no, even with the liquid, the wine, the shir is a kazayah. And secondly, he's arguing and he's saying that even the bread that does not have the taste of the wine also combines the permitted substance, combines with the prohibited substance. Yes. According to that said that Chomishas comes to teach me that by another at least we combine the permitted substance with the prohibited substance. How do we know in the rest of the Torah this principle that the flavor is considered like the substance? If Rabbi, why? Why are we so certain? Because if Rabbi Kiva would not have any other source, then if you have a choice, Commissus is coming to teach me a novelty, that even if you soak it in bread, even the bread also becomes prohibited. Mm-hmm. But there's two ways of understanding it. One way of understanding is that the flavor, because it has the flavor of the wine, and the flavor is compared. Or I can learn even if there is no flavor. Even if the bread has no flavor. But since you soaked it, it became like one piece, so the whole thing is combined. If I have a choice of uh, telling me the teaching, the Torah is teaching me one halacha. Which which one does it make more sense? The Torah is coming to teach me instead of going to a far-fetched novelty. There's no taste of wine. To say that this also becomes prohibited is it's really it's a big novelty. So surely I would say, like the rabbi says, coming to teach me that the flavor is considered like the substance. What f- compelled Rabbi Kiva to say a novelty that's coming to teach me something that's so counterintuitive? That the bread, which does not have a flavor of wine, now also becomes prohibited. Because it's one slice of bread and it contains within it, there's a mixture in it of something prohibited. Surely he must have had another source to teach me that the flavor is considered like the substance. So why do I need this pasta? It must come to teach me a new novelty, to take it a step further. And not only if there's a flavor, even when there is no flavor, since it's one piece, it's one entity, and it contains within it, absorbed within it, the prohibited, even the permitted substance also now becomes prohibited. That's what it says. So what is the sort? Where else do I even know the law that the flavor is considered like, like the substance? He learned it from basa b'cholav, a mixture of milk and meat. Isn't it just a flavor? 
the meat has the flavor of the milk, now the milk has the flavor of the meat, and that's why the whole mixture becomes prohibited. You don't have the substance, the milk remains milk. Even when you mix it, the milk is milk and the meat is meat. But the meat absorbed the flavor of the milk. And the milk absorbed the flavor of the meat. So it's as if I'm eating, so when I'm eating milk, I'm eating the mixture of milk and meat. When I'm eating the meat, I'm eating the, the meat and, and the milk. Yeah, it, the Torah says you're not allowed to eat milk and meat. So obviously if I'm eating the milk and the meat together, that's prohibited. But what if I cook the milk and the meat and then I remove the meat? Why, why can't I just drink the milk? Why? Because it has the flavor. Because it has the flavor of the meat. And the proof is that it's because of the flavor. Because what if you have a minuscule amount of flavor? It's one in 60 we can't even taste anymore. Mm-hmm. Then, then there's no problem. I can drink the milk. So the reason why I'm not allowed to drink the milk once I get rid of the meat, because it was cooked together with the meat, because it has the flavor of the meat. Mm-hmm. So we see that the flavor is compared to, is, is compared like, like, like the substance. So, so to over here, all other prohibitions. The flavor is considered like the substance. But Abbanon, the rabbis. Yeah, but like and like is also a problem. Abbanon, the rabbis. The rabbis, why don't they learn from milk and meat? Well, the rabbis say the Chomishras has not come to teach me that this, the, the substance that's permitted adds up to the substance that's prohibited. He says, he, I haven't... The rabbis, so you can't say, why don't they learn the principle of the flavor is like, considered like a substance from milk and meat? And when the Torah adds of a mishras, any soaking of the uh, wine, anything you soak in wine also comes prohibited. It comes to teach me the next step, the next level. And even a permitted substance is added to a permitted substance. Why do the rabbis say, I need a mishras to teach me the principle that the flavor is considered like a substance? Why can't I learn it out like Rabbi Kiva from milk and meat? So the mother will answer, You can't learn from milk and meat. I would not be able to learn from milk and meat all other prohibitions like Nazir. Because the Chiddush, the whole thing is a novelty. What's the novelty? Because milk alone is kosher. Meat alone is kosher. Too kosher. And when you add it up together, suddenly it becomes, it becomes explosive. I can't touch it. It's, it's, it's toxic. Right. So if that's the case, I can learn Kaloyim from it. Because the, 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 each seed on its own is permitted. The grapevine on its own is, is permitted. And the other seeds on its own is permitted. But when you bring the two together, it becomes prohibited. Wait, wait a second. Milk and meat, like I was trying to explain. You can't, you can't say it's unique. Something novel about milk and meat. A lot of mixtures the Torah prohibits: wool and linen, two animals, two animals together. Yeah, but together it becomes prohibited. You can't have two animals plowing together. Two different animals. Each animal alone is okay. You bring the two together, it becomes. You can't breed two two different animals together, right? You can't breed them together. So we find it's not such a novel concept. The Torah doesn't like mixtures. Hashem doesn't like you to mix things. Everything should be clearly defined and, and delineated. So what's the chiddush? What's the novelty? It's unique to milk and meat. Ella. If you soak the meat in the milk all day, it's permitted. There's no problem. But the moment you cook it, the moment you cook it, it becomes prohibited. 
Time out for one second. The novelty is not just the mixing. If it was just a question of mixing, then even if you soak it all day, it should be prohibited because you soaked it, soaked and absorbed the taste of the milk. But nevertheless, biblically, you're not prohibited. The moment you cook it, then it becomes prohibited. So therefore, since it's a novelty, maybe only there do you say that the taste is like, is like the substance. But you can't learn from there for the rest of the Torah. How can Rabbi Kiva learn from Basel B'chalav to the rest of the Torah, including Nazar? Maybe Basel B'chalav is unique because it's a novelty. Can you give it to your neighbor? So even Rabbi Kiva, you couldn't learn from Basel B'chalav. We continue on side B. So where does Rabbi Kiva learn this principle that the flavor is like the substance? He learns it from the laws of utensils used by idolaters. When you cook in a pot, and the pot absorbs non-kosher meat, non-kosher food, so when you cook it, it becomes prohibited because the flavor, the original flavor that was absorbed in the pot, is now expelled into the food that you cook. And that's why when they came down from the war, right, they had to kosher all the pots. From the Midianites. Right, from the Midianites. They had to boil it. They had to boil it. Anything that was used in fire, you also have to, have to clean it out in fire. Anything, you have to expel the prohibited taste that was absorbed through fire. The Mehmet city, which tells me, in effect, that the emissions are forbidden. Why? It's only a taste. There's no substance of the non-kosher meat. The pot is clean. It's the taste of the non-kosher meat. So, Gyuli, have to come left time of Isn't it just a question of taste? It's just a flavor, and yet it's forbidden. From this, we learn throughout the whole entire Torah that the flavor of a prohibition is considered like the prohibition itself, like a substance itself. Okay, very well. So, how do we explain the rabbis? Why can't we learn from the cleansing of the non kosher pots that from this we learn that a flavor is considered like a substance? And therefore, maybe Chomisha should come to teach me to take it to the next level, that even something that doesn't have a flavor, even then the per- permitted substance should be added to the prohibited substance. See, I'm a lady, they said, Ravashi said to him, there, the rabbis will tell you that there, by the Midianite utensils, it was a novelty. Why? In general, when do we say that the flavor is considered like the substance? Only if it's a fresh flavor. But if it's already a spoiled flavor, then we don't say it's prohibited. We don't say it's, it's prohibited. In other words, anything that's over 24 hours, a pot that hasn't been cooked in 24 hours, the, 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 the flavor is already spoiled. So even if you expel the flavor of the non-kosher uh, um, um, substance, it's no problem. Biblically, it's no problem. But in this case, regarding the Midianites, it was surely more than 24 hours. By the time they, they captured the Caleb and they brought it home, and he says, you can't use it until you cook it. Why would I have to use it? It's 24 hours past. It's no problem. Any taste, it's already spoiled. So there it's a novelty. I can't learn from there. Not because of the taste. Nothing to do with the taste. Maybe in general, we don't say the taste is considered less prohibited. Because even if you do say the taste is considered prohibited, that wouldn't explain why the Torah commanded them to... To, to kasher, kasher those kalim. Uh, those Only in this unique case do we say that the flavor... So going back to Rabbi Kiva, how can Rabbi Kiva learn from there to the rest, for the rest of the Torah that the flavor is considered like the substance? 
The case of the Midianite, you're right, the Torah only required them to, to purge those vessels only if they were within 24 hours. With anything more than 24 hours, you wouldn't have to purge it because if it's less than 24 hours, it doesn't, the flavor does not spoil. And therefore the flavor is considered like substance. But if it's more than 24 hours, indeed, you wouldn't have to. The Torah is not telling us, the Torah is not telling us that when you when you buy vessels from a non-Jew, that he cooked non-kosher meat in it, you have to purge it, even if it's more than 24 hours. Now that would be a chiddush. There's no such chiddush. You don't have to. If it's the flavor is spoiled, then, then there's no problem. Biblically, there's no problem. Rabbinically, you're not allowed to rely on it, only after the fact. You went ahead and cooked something. You didn't kasher the pot. After 24 hours, you, don't, you say it's okay. But initially, the rabbis say that even nice and time of God, you have to cook it. But biblically, you wouldn't have to. You're right. There's no such chiddush. So therefore, Rabbi Kiva learns from there. The rabbis will say no. Maybe the Torah is speaking about all the pots. The simple rabbanon, the rabbanon, rabbanon how will they respond? Maybe, maybe Rabbi Kiva is right. How could you learn from there? No, I'm sorry. Maybe Rabbi Kiva is right. The pasuk is only talking about within 24 hours, and you have to purge it. And from there we can learn that the taste is considered like the something. You can learn from there, from the whole Torah. There's nothing novel. So the rabbis will tell you, even in the case it's not being used for that day, it's impossible that the flavor was not spoiled a little. In other words, once the flavor is absorbed in the walls of the pot, it immediately starts to deteriorate. So any flavor absorbed in a pot and then it's expelled, even in the same day, should be considered spoiled enough that it should be permitted. Nevertheless, the Torah says, you must purge it. So even within the first 24 hours, yes, we agree with you. The Torah only requires you within the first 24 hours, maybe. But even in the first 24 hours, it's a novelty. It doesn't make any sense. Because once this, the, the flavor is divorced from the substance, it's absorbed in the pot, it, it, it starts deteriorating right away, it starts rotting right away, it's spoiling right away. So therefore, the show, you can't say it's prohibited because the, the, the taste is considered like the substance. The taste is already spoiled. It's a novelty. The potato requires us to kosher the pots, to purge the pots. Rabbi Kiva says, no. That little deterioration within the walls of the pot is not enough to spoil the taste that it shouldn't be considered like the substance. So therefore it's not a novelty. The substance, from there we can learn throughout the whole title that the substance is considered, the taste, the flavor is considered like the substance. According to the rabbis who say that immediately within 24 hours it starts deteriorating and therefore it's a novelty. The title says you have to purge the vessels then maybe biblically you have to purge it even after 24 hours. How do the, the rabbis, why do the rabbis make a distinction that biblically within the first 24 hours you have to biblically purge it? I guess because after 24 hours it's completely spoiled. It's completely spoiled. Once it completely spoils, it doesn't make sense. Even biblically the title would tell you to purge it. There's nothing there, it's spoiled. The question is, it's a little spoiled. So Rabbi Kiva dismisses it. A little spoiled, a little deterioration, that doesn't matter. It's still, it still has the bulk of the taste. But therefore, if you say here that the, the, the flavor is considered like the substance, you can learn from here the entire Torah. The rabbis say, no, 
it's a little deteriorated, it's a little spoiled. And therefore still you can say it's a novelty. Only in this case does the Torah require you to purge. You say that the, even though it's a little spoiled, the Torah says you have to purge it. But you can't learn from here the rest of the Torah. Because here it's a novelty. From the rabbi's position, we can also infer rabbi Kiv from to rabbi Kiva's position. The rabbis say that mishras comes to teach me that the flavor is considered like the substance. And when the Torah says, if you soak bread and wine, the bread is prohibited, they're talking about that if the bread contains, retains the taste of the wine. And from here we learn the, the whole entire Torah. So the Rabbi Kiva, according to Rabbi Kiva, who says, he says, no, I already know the principle that a flavor is considered like substance. I learned it from the perching of the vessels, of the non-kosher vessels. I need the Mishras to teach me a novelty, to take it a step further, to take it to the next level. That even if there's no taste of the, prohib- of the prohibition of the wine, but since it's one absorb, it's one mixture, the entire mixture, even the part of the bread that does not have a taste of the wine, adds up to, 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 to the prohibition. So why don't I say, So why don't I say, from here I learn the whole Torah. I should also learn from here. This principle applies to the whole Torah. Why did Rabbi Avua say the name Rabbi Yechonon? No, this is unique to Nazir. And then we said another two exceptions by Chametz and, 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 and by the leavened bread on the altar. We should learn from here, from rabbis. Just like the rabbis learned this passage, it comes to teach me for the entire Torah. That throughout the entire Torah, the flavor is considered like the substance. So according to Rabbi Kiva, this principle that the per- per- permitted substance adds up and combines with the prohibited substance should be a principle, a rule that applies throughout the entire time. So Rabbi Ashi answered, The reason why we don't say that, because because a nozer. And a chatos. The Gemara will explain. However, did you have two? With the Torah comes to teach me the same principle. Twice. It cannot teach, because if it was to teach for the rest of the Torah, then once would be enough. Let him just teach it to me once, and it applies across the board. Why does the Torah have to tell me twice? Because only these two cases. Only these two. Nothing else. Nazir, like you said. The reason why he only says chatas, even though we have the example of the... Um, of the of the uh, sa'ir and the and the uh, leavened bread by like Pesach and leavened bread, and bread. But that's only according to Rabbi Lazar. According to Rabbi Lazar, it says that coal comes to add even the mixture. But the rabbis disagree with Rabbi Lazar. But according to the rabbis, the majority opinion is only two. The two are the case of a nazir and chatas. My chatas, chatas mai. Tanya, where do we find this principle by Chathas? By a Chathas, anything that touches its meat shall be holy. Anything that touches the Chathas meat also becomes holy. So this, the slaughtered Chathas. So the meat of the Chathas, anything that touches it also becomes holy. Kodesh. But I would think even if it doesn't absorb it, it just touches it. It also becomes holy. 
that enters into its flesh, into its meat. Right. Right. Actually, it has to absorb it. Yeah. Then it becomes kaidish, it becomes hektish, also considered like sacred meat. In other words, if unsacred meat absorbs the taste of the sacred meat, we, now the non-sacred meat also becomes sacred. You have to eat, treat it like sacred meat. You have to eat it in the, in the, in the time allotted. Only a koyin could eat it. So in other words, if one brushes... Plants, he spells it out. If the chattas is disqualified, then the meat that absorbed the chattas also becomes disqualified. It's treated the exact same way as that chattas offering. Let's say it was past the time, expiration date. You only allowed to eat the chattas, the koyinim, that day and that night. Past that time, it's nicer, it's left over. Yeah, obviously we're not talking about non-consecrated meat because non-consecrated meat, you can't even enter into the temple. We're talking about a shlamim, let's say a kachim kalim, a peace offering. It's right, a, yeah, it's a yeah. lesser level of sanctity right. than the chattas, which is kachi kachim. Right. Kachim kalim, you can eat for two days in one night. Right. You can eat it anywhere in your shalayim. Right. It doesn't have the same... But, but he says, now that the shlamim absorbed this, the chattas... Now you have to treat it like a chattas. You can only, the expiration date is only, only the, one, the one day and one night. And actually till midnight, the rabbi said only till midnight. And, um, and if it... Uh, you can only eat it inside, inside the courtyard. So If the chattas is qualified, it's within the right time. You have to eat it according to the stricter parts of it, the stricter way, which is has to be eaten in the courtyard. Only the koyinim could eat it. Only the male koyinim could eat it. In other words, it has both strictures. Both. It doesn't mean that the, you're more lenient. For example, what if it was a peace offering, but it's already the second day, so I only I can only eat it till that night. The chattas that it absorbed was just slaughtered that day. Shlomo was slaughtered yesterday. So the expiration date is at yesterday and the full night and to today to finish eating it till the end of the day. Then it absorbed a, a little a piece of, it absorbed the taste of the chattas that was slaughtered today. So the chattas I can eat till, till the morning or till midnight. The shlamim have to finish to the end of the day. So in that case, it's not, not oh, it absorbed the chattas, I can eat it. I can't be lenient. I can, order, I can eat it as long as I can eat the chattas. No, it means you have both strictures. But we're talking about if they were both all slaughtered the same day. And the shlamim I can eat till tomorrow, till the end of the day. The chattas I could only eat today and tonight. So now I have to finish the shlamim also today and tonight because it absorbed the taste of the chattas. Question is, so how does the Gemara say that we learn from here, this is the second time the Torah mentions the principle that we combine the permitted substance with the prohibited substance. Why? Maybe it's because of the taste. The shlamim, the peace offering, absorbed the taste of the sin offering. So maybe the principle here is that the flavor is considered like substance. The Gemara says that the reason why that this is only applies to the case of a Nazir, we can't learn any other case from a Nazir, because you have two psukim that teach us the same principle. 
So we, whenever you have two psukim and teaching the same principle, obviously the Torah is coming to say only these two cases, not in the other case. Mm-hmm. First case is the case of Nazar, the second case is the case of Chathos. Chathos. We're not talking about a principle of combining the permitted with the prohibited, we're talking about a taste. Mm-hmm. When the Shlomim absorb the taste of the sin of them. Yeah. So on the contrary, maybe I have two cases, two psukim that teach me. Yeah. There's a few people from the, I have two psukim that teach me the principle the, that the flavor, according to Rabbi Kiva, I learned one from purging the, the non-kosher, non-kosher vessel. And the other case is the chatas. So maybe I should say that the principle, the principle of not of, of ta- flavors considered like substance doesn't apply to the rest of the Torah because the Torah is teaching me this law in two cases. In the case of the purging with the Midianites, the war, the battle of the Midianites, and the case of Achatas. So whenever the Torah teaches me twice the same thing, is coming to teach me it's exclusive, only in these two and not. So maybe that principle doesn't apply to the rest of the Torah. Versus the case of Anazir, which is the case of combining Maybe, maybe that principle applies to the rest of the time. But the answer is, which is a bigger novel? The idea that the flavor is considered like a substance? Or the idea that the permitted substance combines with the prohibited substance because it's, because it's one mixture? Which is a bigger novel? That the, that the permitted substance now is considered like prohibited substance because it's one mixture. It doesn't even have the taste of the prohibited substance. Why would it be prohibited? Because it's one mixture. That's a bigger novelty. So therefore, it makes more sense to say that if one of these is a principle that applies to the whole type, and one of these is a principle that only applies in unique case. So if I have a choice, which of these two principles am I going to say? The principle applies to the whole type, or which principle applies only in, the, in this restricted case? The principle of flavor is considered like substance or the principle that, that the permitted adds up to the permitted substance add up to the permitted substance? What do you think? Right, so, so the, it would make more sense to say that the flavor is considered like the substance that applies to the whole title because that's more logical. If it has the taste, it's considered. But the, the principle that the permitted part adds up to the prohibited part, that's a novelty. That, maybe it's only restricted. So therefore, it makes more sense to say that the principle that the taste considered like the whole Torah, that that's applies universally. The Torah says, give me one example in the case of the purge vessels, and I apply it to the whole Torah. Then why does the Torah have to teach me in the case of the sin offering? Surely the Torah is coming to teach me, add, even if it doesn't have the taste. Just it has a mixture, it's part of a mixture. Now the whole mixture becomes, becomes considered as if it's a sin offer. And with all the restrictions of a sin offer. So now I have two verses that teach me, two, two cases, examples that Taita gives me where the permitted substance is added to the prohibited substance because it's one mixture. The case of a nazar, the case of a chatas. So Taita's coming to teach me this is a novelty. This only implies in these two cases and we can't learn the whole Taita from there. Banan, the rabbis... Don't agree with Rabbi Why do they reject the combination principle? Why don't you learn from Chattas? Chattas? How can you compare the two? They're going to say. So the rabbis are there. No, I need. One's the temple and I one need is Nazareth. So, because the question is now, according to the rabbis, I have two verses that teach me the principle that it tastes is like the substance. The case of right. a Nazareth. Right. 
Because they say Mishras is coming to teach me if you soak the wine and the bread, the b- bread absorbs the taste of the wine and therefore it becomes prohibited. In the case of a chatas. So maybe this principle doesn't apply to the whole Torah. That a flavor is considered like a principle only applies in the case of a nazir and a chatas. Mm-hmm. So the Rabbanu say, no, it's not a case of the Torah teaching me the same law twice, mm-hmm. the same principle twice. No, I wouldn't know one from the other. I need both of them. Why? If a Torah would teach me this principle in the case of a chatas, I would think, nazir I can't learn nazir from it. Why? I can't learn Nazir from, 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 yeah, from the temple, from yeah. sacred things. The temple, non-sacred things, you can't learn from sacred things. The sacred things has its own rules, its own laws, right. its own stringencies. Right. So the stringency that a, a flavor is considered like the substance, maybe it only applies by holiness. Holiness has its own rules. Yeah. I can't learn a Nazir from it. That <laughs> when you mix the wine, the, the taste of the wine... Is now the whole now anything that has the taste of the wine also becomes prohibited. If the Torah would teach me this principle by Nazir, I would think I can't learn Kachim from Nazir. Why? Because its prohibition is very stringent. Where do we see this? How is it stringent? Even grapeseed is forbidden. Who eats grapeseed? Even if you eat grapeseed, you're not allowed to even eat the grapeseed. It's barely edible. But the Torah is so strict within Nazir that even the grape seed, not only the shell, the, 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 the skin of the grape and the, the, the pulp of the grape, even the grape seed is also prohibited. So therefore, maybe the Torah is so strict by Nazir, therefore the Torah says in that case that even the taste of wine is also prohibited. I would not be able to learn Kachim from it. Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Kiva, how, maybe, maybe the rabbis are right. How could you say that it's too the two examples of the Torah are teaching me the exact same principle. And therefore it's coming to tell me that it's exclusive only in these two cases. And we can't derive from here for the rest of the Torah. No, the rabbis are right. It's not two cases. I need them both. I wouldn't be able to learn one from the other. So the Rabbi Kiva will tell you, Amalach will tell you, Why do you need these two verses? I agree with you. that If the Torah would only teach me this principle, in the case of a sin offering... I would not be able to derive Nazar from it. Because the Chulun, you can't learn non-sacred from sacred. Sacred, uh, sacred has its own rules, its own principles, its own strings. I disagree with you. The Torah could have taught us by Nazar. If in the case of Nazar this is so, which is non-sacred, how much more so in the case of Chathar? Since all prohibitions of the Torah, we can learn from Nazar. He doesn't accept the arguments of the rabbis at the grapeseed. That's not reason enough to say that he can't learn. He could learn Nazar. That doesn't make Nazar a unique case. The Torah is saying any, any grape, any part of the grape, fine. So even the grapeseed. But that doesn't make it, doesn't make it into a category of its own. They can't learn anything from it. No, it becomes like anything else in the Torah. The Torah teaches us once, and from here we derive the same is true for the rest of the Torah. So why does the Torah have to repeat it by chathos? So clearly the Torah is telling me that this is unique to these two cases and we cannot, this does not become a principle that's across the board, that applies across the board. Rabbanon Amri and the rabbis, how would they respond? What do you mean? They already explained. But they're saying, the rabbis are responding to Rabbi Kiva, even according to you. 
you don't accept our argument about the grape seeds. Fine, but even according to you, it, you're wrong. Rabban Amad, they'll tell you, I would need a chatos to teach me that, that the permitted combined with the forbidden. How do you know that this happened? And I can't learn non-sacred from sacred. So it's a unique case. That, that I would tell you that the case of a chatos indeed comes to tell me that even the part of the shlomim that you can't taste the chatos. You don't have the flavor of the chatos. But since it's one mixture, so therefore the whole mixture now is treated like, 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 like a chatos. But, but, but that's only in that case. That's unique to Kachim. I can't learn the whole Torah. Only Kachim is that way. It's unique to Kachim. So therefore, so Mishras is one example. There's only one case. There's only one illustration in the Torah to teach us the concept that a flavor is considered like substance. And from it, I learned for the whole entire Torah. question is, wait a minute, why don't the rabbis say, according to the rabbis, maybe Nazir is unique? Since you're not allowed to eat the grape seed, how can I learn this principle that the flavor is considered like a substance from a Nazir, maybe a Nazir is a unique stringency, you're not allowed to even eat the grape, the grape seed. How could the rabbis say, I learned from here for the whole entire Torah? But they're saying, according to Rabbi Kiva, According to Rabbi Kiva, who says that's not, a, that's not an obstacle, that's not a problem. The fact that the, the Torah prohibits grape seeds, that doesn't stop us from learning the whole, this principle, that it applies across the board to the whole entire Torah. So according to you, Rabbi Kiva, I can say that the Nazir, the Nazir comes to teach me the principle of, that a flavor is considered like the substance, and, and that applies across the board to the whole entire Torah. And the Pasuk, by the Pasuk, by Chathos, is not coming to teach me about flavor. It's coming to teach me beyond that, that even the mixture, even if it doesn't have the flavor, the whole mixture is, con- is treated like a Chathos. Therefore, but I can't learn from it the whole entire Torah because it's unique to Chathos, unique to, only by sacred things that we have this principle that the permitted <laughs> substance is treated like the uh, per- prohibited substance because, because it's one mixture. Rabbis themselves, they hold they hold that Nazir and Chathas both come to teach us the same principle. They themselves hold that come to teach us one principle. That the flavor is considered like the substance. Why does the Torah have to teach me twice? Because I wouldn't learn one from the other. The Torah only tell me Nazir, I would say it's only Nazir because the grape seed is a special stringency, so maybe it only applies in others, not across the board. If the Torah would only tell me by Chathas, I would say only Chathas because it's sacred, it's his own unique world, universe, the stringency. But now the Torah teaches me both. It comes to teach me this is a principle across the board throughout the whole entire Torah that the flavor is considered like the substance. Rabbi Kiva, how is Rabbi Kiva going to respond to the rabbis? Rabbi Kiva holds, Tarvayu, Lehetim, He holds, no. Both of them come to teach me, because again, Rabbi Kiva says, I don't need the Pasuk of Nazar to teach me that the, the principle that, a print, that the flavor is considered like substance. That I already know from the purging of the pots, of non-kosher pots. 
So what's the Torah coming to teach me to add? He's coming to teach me, it's a case of, to teach me that the per- permitted part is added to the prohibited part because it's one mixture, it's considered like one. So now I have two psukim, according to Rekiv, I have two psukim. The Torah doesn't have to tell it to me twice. The Torah can tell me in the case of Nazir, according to Rekiv, the fact that a Nazir has a stringency, not even the grape seed, that doesn't matter, it doesn't count. I can still learn from it for the entire Torah. Why the Torah have to teach it to me again in the case of the Chathas? It comes to teach me that to eliminate the rest of the Torah, these are the only two exceptions. That we learned the verse says anything that's made of the grape limit comes to teach us that they all combine to the minimum requirement. It could be uh, the, the grape and the, and, the, and the peel and the pulp and the, and the grape uh, seed and the wine. It all, all combined. Why do I need a pasuk to teach me that all the different prohibited, mixture, a mixture of all the different prohibited things all adds up in other words, it doesn't have to be a kezayis separate of, of the pulp, a kezayis of the, of, the, of the shell, of the skin, a kezayis of the, of the grape seeds, a kezayis of the grape, a kezayis of the wine. If you have a mixture of all of the above and together it's a kezayis of it. If, according to Rabbi Kiva, the soaking of the wine and the bread comes to teach me that even the permitted adds up and counts towards the shear because it's one mixture so we look at it all as one how much more so Isr and Isr I need a Pasuk to tell me that it adds up Isr and Isr so I'm Ravashi answer to Ravashi Het Isr Bas Achas there's a difference there is a distinction Het Isr when do you add up the two if you eat it together if you eat this one bread, one loaf of bread, or one slice of bread that has in it the mixture of wine. So then you add the permitted part of the bread that doesn't have a taste of wine with the prohibited part. But when you say you combine the different parts of the iser together to add up to the shear, the minimum requirement, because even if you don't eat it together. So that's why I need the Pasuk to teach and even if you're not eating it together, in the case of Hetel, let's say I ate, you ate, the seeds I, ate I ate a slice of bread that doesn't have any wine or any That's taste right. of wine. And then, and then I eat the, 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 the wine, the wine, the grape. It doesn't combine. But in the case of Isr and Isr, even if it's two different parts, I eat it one after the other. Consecutively, it all adds up to the Kazayas. Just like if you ate the seeds and then a few seconds later, then you, exactly. you, you ate the skins. Exactly. To be continued. Exactly. That would have a wonderful